Counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Oh, hey. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Raji. And I am Johannes. Today we're talking about the number two on that list. The Mafia Epos, The Godfather. That's right. The Godfather. Released on March 24th, 1972, starring Marlon Brando and Al Pacino. With an IMDb rating of 9.1 out of 10. Number two number two so let's figure out who's going to be on which side uh raj what do you say heads or tails i'm gonna go with heads all right let's do it tail all right (laughs) (laughs) okay uh uh, so you get to choose (laughs) i get to choose um i i'll be the defendant today (laughs) you'll be the defendant um, I guess I'll be the, I'll be the plaintiff in yeah. this, uh, in this, uh, in this week. Good luck. Quite interesting. Uh, this, uh, I need a lot of that this week. <laughs> May we have a synopsis? Sure. The story begins as Don Vito Corleone, the head of a New York mafia family, oversees his daughter's wedding with his wife Carmela. His beloved son Michael has just come home from the war but does not intend to become part of his father's business. Through Michael's life, the nature of the family business becomes clear. The business of the family is just like the head of the family, kind and benevolent to those who give respect, but given to ruthless violence whenever anything stands against the good of the family. Don Vito lives his life in the way of the old country, but times are changing and some don't want to follow the old ways and look out for community and family. An up-and-coming rival of the Corleone family wants to start selling drugs in New York and needs the Don's influence to further his plan. The clash of the Don's fading old world values and the new ways will demand a terrible price, especially for Michael, all for the sake of the family. All right, anything else you want to talk about before we go in session? Oh, man. It's going to be a rough week. Uh (laughs) All right, it's fine. Uh, let's go for it. The witness will address this court as judge or your honor. To the honorable judges, and that's you, my dear listener, my argument is going to be focused on three major issues. The poor casting of the subordinate characters, the weird pacing of the film, and the lack of depth outside of the main characters. The first point is very clear. We go from the exquisite acting of Marlon Brando, who plays Vito Corleone, to the poor acting of Gabriel Torrier, who was the flower man in the hospital scene. We watched with bated breath as Michael and the nurse gazed across the room only to be hit with an exaggerated Italian accent that took me out of the film. If there is trouble, I stay here for you, for your father, your father. Man. Another incident of this was when Apollonia was asked if she spoke English and her response was to call out the days of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Charming, don't get me wrong, but the dubbing was really poor and he took me out of the film. There's a lot of pacing issues with the film. At the very beginning, things moved very quickly when dealing with the case of Johnny Fontaine and the director Jack Waltz. We went from scene to scene breathlessly, culminating in the dead horse in the director's bed and then the movie grounds to a halt. We even took a ceremonious tour of Sicily where it can be argued, nothing happened. Sure, we witnessed Michael get married to Apollonia and watched her exit the movie with a bang. But I can argue that Michael Corleone, who arrived in Sicily, is almost exactly Michael who exited Sicily, and most of that scene can be cut. Finally, my last point is the lack of depth in the character. Outside of the main character, Vito and Michael, every other character was flat. It can be argued that Vito's arc is a mirage, as he was forced into a corner and he had no choice. The only character who was different from the start of the film was Michael, and it can be argued that acting along non-changing characters leaves a lot to be desired. My judges, 
these are the points I will argue today. Thank you. I would argue that The Godfather is a movie that, at its at face value, is a movie about crime, but underlying, it's a movie about character development, and it's a masterclass on that. The movie showcases a character arc from somebody, Michael Corleone, who's deeply against the business dealings of his family in the beginning at the wedding all the way until running that crime family. I agree it's a very slow burn, but I think it's masterful in how it's executed because every step in the way, it's showcasing how Michael Corleone is getting to the point where he ends up at. Uh, Every piece of the puzzle is showcasing the danger, but also kind of the allure of, of the mafia, I think. And it's it's filmmaking at its best in that if you purely look at character development and i don't think that's uh, limited to michael Corleone. i think there are a handful of characters where that applies Uh, furthermore i think it's an exceptional example of realness one might argue that it's bad acting but i felt like it was very real you know feeling um not only on the acting side but also the way the sets were created and the costume design, like the overall aesthetic of the film feels uh, incredibly real and detailed. And uh, I think this film is a, is a great example of that. Thanks so much for your opening statement, Johannes. And I feel I want to go straight into this. I want to start my arguments with the final scenes of the movie. As we watch Connie rush past the men moving furniture out of the Corleone household, crying as she searches for Michael. She finds him, sobbing. Michael, you lousy bastard, she declares. You waited for Papa to die so that no one could stop you, and then you killed him. And she spits on him and screams and gets dragged out of the room. I'm convinced that that entire scene was overacting by Connie. I cannot get over the earnestness of it all, and I felt the scene could have been toned down quite a bit. I also felt that there may have been dubbed over it took me out of the scene significantly basically i think that whole encounter was quite exaggerated i think if you just look at the the characters in 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 that moment it feels very real her husband was murdered so i think it's it's fair for her to be exasperated it was set up in a way that she defended his actions and the abuse that he's putting onto her before that so it was shown that there's some kind of you know, Stockholm syndrome with her, mm. right? She, I mean, it's her husband, but, and he arguably did pretty bad things, uh, but it shows that she, that she still loves him. And uh, I think her, her being kind of exasperated and as you call it overacting, but I, I felt it was very real and just kind of um, in agony you know, in pain. I, I felt that rang very true. And the, the other person, the flower person, again, it was set up all the way in the beginning of the movie, this person, right at the wedding, asking for, for Don Corleone's help. And this was kind of a payback, uh, showing respect. But what we've seen in those times where everybody was kind of scared to meet Don Corleone and seeing Don Corleone in this vulnerable state, even though with the best intentions of paying respect, I can see how you can be unsure about yourself and then play it like that. Let's uh, let's talk about the whole Sicilian sequence in this film, long and cumbersome, lots of walking, lots of pointing. Oh, look at the old Coleone, you know, Coleone house or town where your name is, you know, is gotten from. And let's talk about Apollonia, the wonderful Apollonia. Man, I know what she was trying to represent. She was a play on Kay versus Apollonia, where Kay is the modern version of of the woman at that particular time. And uh, Apollonia represents a look back, a more conservative Sicilian kind. And it's basically a situation where, you know, Michael had to choose between the modern person and the old conservative person that would always be the supporter. And obviously he chose Apollonia, but 
I think that Apollonia really brought the movie down as well with her acting where he's like, hey, do you do you even speak English? And she was like, hey, it's a Monday, a Tuesday, a Thursday. I was like, man, this is quite interesting. You get a scene where Robert Duvall is controlling the, the, pay, the, the scene. You get a scene where Marlon Brando is controlling the room. And then you get Apollonia. It was like, Monday, it's a Tuesday. You know, it's, the mismatch is so obvious. And I guess... It's sort of well-rounded cast is basically what I'm trying to get at. And I feel like for a movie to have strength in a well-rounded way, you have to have supporting casts that don't take you out of the film whenever they open their mouth. And I, I felt taken out of the scene several times when I saw some of the acting going on. I also want to talk about, I know this is, this is I'm, I'm always very unhappy when I delve into stuff because I feel like movies should be uh, created in the context of time. But the way the women were portrayed in this film were basically trophies for the men to live with. And the closest person we had to breaking out of that role was uh, Kay, played by Diane Keaton. And even her, she played a, a hairhead, basically. Sorry for my accent. I, I meant to say airhead which is A-I-R-H-E-A-D, but my accent kind of gets in the way. And she was supposed to represent modernity. And she was naive throughout the film. And I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around how somebody who was trying to be as progressive as possible could act like, you know, she didn't understand what she was trying to get herself in. And the look of anguish as the door closed at the end of the film, as if she's like... Did I make a mistake? You know you made a mistake. You know you know the kind of character you're going to be hanging out with. All the women made naive decisions and it was very clear. The question then becomes, do movies that have this kind of of outlook deserve to still be regarded with high esteem when they don't represent the modern world we live in? Or should all movies be put in incubations and be uh, rewarded based on the time they were made? I think that's kind of a tough argument to make if this movie is uh, over 40 years old and you put today's standards upon a movie that was built uh, in the time then. And I have to argue something. <laughs> <laughs> so to your first point, Apollonia. Apollonia is essentially a big plot device to bring Michael's character forward. Very flat, very stereotypical. But she's not necessarily the point. The point is to showcase how Michael is both realizing the power the name Corleone um, has and the danger that comes with it, right? The only reason why he was able to, to get with her was because of the his family and his name. And her father understood kind of the power dynamics there. And then he really didn't have any say in that. And everything was fine. Everybody was sort of happy. And then Fabrizio ended up murdering her. And that just is another point in the character development of Michael. Where he's playing with the power that he inherits. But also with the danger that comes with the power. And it fuels him once he gets back to New York to um, use the power more. Like it gives him more drive um, and kind of for revenge, I think. As far as the women are concerned, I think it's just a representation of kind of macho culture versus the home life. And I feel like this is something that the movie does really well, where you have two families, right? You have the mafia family, boys club, very macho, very bravado and all that. And then you have the, the very homey family life with kids and wives and aunts and omas and all that, right? And it's, it's this constant kind of battle between the two uh, and the balance between the two. And I think the, this movie does it really well. I think it's uh I feel like they maybe there's an agenda in the film where the director is trying to 
portray the family life as a strong a stronger life to live because we get to see you know we get to see them be happy and i, I don't think at any point we ever got to see k in her in her scene so there's a there's a very big imbalance in how the two lives are portrayed um even with apollonia we get to see michael and apollonia happy at no point did we get to see michael and k happy together they got to go to things but all the like the honeymoon period was off screen we never got to see them at their happiest um and i feel like this is just a statement of the time where they're trying to make it seem like being uh being at home with your husband and raising the kids are great i you know it's an interesting it's an interesting way to look at the film <laughs> i think the the final scene of the movie showcases really well that she's very aware of what she got into the movie closes with her looking into the office and then the door being shut out like so she's literally shut out of that part of michael's life but it felt very like okay i know i know what this means now like this is what we're doing Hmm. um and for the longest time i mean he he kind of left her alone for a long time he went to italy and then came back to new york and still left her alone for a year and essentially claimed her back which again is just kind of a showcase of this whole like i can get what i want because i'm a michael corleone right yeah like i i I can take whatever i want because i have power and i think that's just a brilliant um, execution of that concept where it's like she's like well you know why didn't you come here sooner he's like well i'm here now (laughs) and she gave up being a teacher to be a stay-at-home mom basically uh that's interesting i'm gonna pivot from there (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm gonna pivot from there to talk about the way time is portrayed in the film this movie is set between 1945 and 1955 and the way time flies the way the movie is shot it doesn't feel like time is moving as slowly or as as correctly as it's um it's supposed to so it feels like um, you know, Michael has been in the town for one year. He comes out of the car and Kay's like, how long have you been in town? I would have said two weeks, three weeks, but no, it goes one year. And it's like, so what has he been up to? It feels, it feels incomplete. It seems like we only get the, um, the, the cliff notes of basically what Michael has been up to, uh, since he arrived. And I think that, you know, a lot of those things happened, you know, there's so many scenes like when he was flying to LA to look at the visited director, it just feels like, Oh, he just took off the next morning with like typically did the sense of time doesn't exist in the film. It's like you have really big jump cuts where a lot of things happen in the background that you're not aware of. And they set you up in a scene where they have to establish the time again and again and again. And it just feels it feels like I'm missing out on stuff. So I think that's another problem with the film. It just feels like it's, it feels very condensed. Interesting, because in, the, in your opening statement, you mentioned that you felt this movie dragged. <laughs> yes, the movie dragged. It's a testament to how boring it is that despite it felt like it dragged, I still couldn't feel, I still, I feel like it both dragged and it feels condensed at the same time. What a horrible film. <laughs> I think what it tries to accomplish, go the taking Michael from not being involved in the family in the mob mob family to being the head of it, all these little beats that that happen are important. I think him coming back from Italy, which was one of the last Don Corleone actions that that we see on this movie uh, in the in the mapa's family meeting uh, vouching for michael to come back just kind of showcases that there's a year of him being back in in new york or in the states and it took him a year to be comfortable enough and feeling secure enough that he kind of goes out and and just like i said claims his wife right and i think that just shows that um the character of michael needed some time to figure out the whole crime family part off screen 
the the strongest argument against the film, in my opinion, is the fact that the sub characters are not so strong, and they're very very one one note. Everybody's played on the nose. Sonny was always played on the nose. One of his you know his problems was he was always impulsive, and from the beginning of the film all the way to when he was shot, he always made impulsive decisions. And um, same, you know, with uh, Michael. Well, well, not so much Michael. Let's let me just stick with the sub characters. You know, Sonny was always playing the impulsive character. Clemenza was very flat. Jack Wolf, uh, Waltz, when he went to LA, he was a director. He arrives, he's wearing a flashy suit, flashy statements, always, you know, being very flashy. There was no depth to his character. Uh, Captain McCloskey, what was he? You know, he was a corrupt cop. No nuance to his character, just there to be corrupt, only to move the story along. Bazzini always seemed like he was sly, and there was no, there was nothing infused into his character to make him feel otherwise. Let's talk about Solozo. The on the moment you saw him and the way he slithered into the screen, sat down in front of Don Corleone proposed the heroine business. He was always that character throughout the film. Outside of Michael and Vito, no character changed. This was a very flat film where all the characters played the same role from very from the very moment they were shown on the screen till the very end. And the only character who really changed was Michael. That that's it. And the only reason why Vito changed, honestly, was because he lost Sonny and he had no choice. He was backed into a corner and he had to make a decision. He didn't change his mindset, but he changed his decision to accommodate his family. That was a forced hand. And that was the only decision that he made that was out of character. So we're basically watching a movie about one character changing in a world where everybody's flat. Sure. Uh I think the point of the movie is, is showing Michael, Michael's character arc. Uh, all the characters around him are supports for that. But I can excuse somebody like Sonny being very, very impulsive because over the time of the movie, it shows that his impulsiveness is the reason why he got killed. Uh, because he could exploit that. Because you can make a point of Connie being beat up by her husband is essentially a setup for for Sonny to be killed, be because people know that he's impulsive and he's just just acting out of his gut, and he would he would do whatever it takes to get there fast. And had people not known that, they wouldn't have been able to set up that trap at the toll booth. So I think it 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 makes sense for that character to be flat as you call it but i think it's just consistent because it's setting up his demise clemenza is just a henchman who just kind of mob uh, killer Uh, i don't think you need a lot of depth in that character personally the Uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna counter your point there because there was a statement they made um when they were burying vito where clemenza walks to bazzini and everybody was looking. Tom Hagen made a statement that, oh, I've always thought it was going to be Clemenza that would betray you. Um, and it wasn't Clemenza. It was the big guy. What's his name? Abe, played by Abe Magoda, uh, Tessio. And you're looking at, I was looking at the screen going, why? Why did we think that it was going to be Clemenza? What was it about Clemenza that would that was going to indicate to us, the viewer, that it was going to be him instead of Tessio. There was no rounding of the character to make that statement worth making. So when you say that Clemenza was just a killer, did we even see Clemenza kill anybody? We've seen him around people who are killing, but I don't remember a scene where Clemenza... Oh, yes, when he opened the elevator and shot them with the shotgun. That was at the very end. Uh, But outside of that, we hadn't seen him kill anyone. And number two, there was no indication that he was going to be the person who did it. There was no indication that Tessio was going to do it. They were all flat characters. And then sitting down, Tom Hagen goes, oh, 
Uh, I thought it was always going to be Clemenza. Why? Why did you think it was going to be Clemenza? I don't know the reason why. One of the reasons why I think that having flat characters, sometimes you lose a lot of the story. I think it's not, it's not, that is not the point of the movie though, because, because ultimately it doesn't matter. We don't need to know the reasoning of characters to do certain things. We don't need to get all the backstory of Clemenza and figuring out why he may or may not betray his family. Same for the character that ends up doing it. I wanted to go back to the corrupt cop. Okay. McCluskey. McCluskey. I think it just shows you the, the power and just the greed in people and the allure of that that mob world because power and greed runs the whole show. And I think McCluskey is, is just an example of that. Uh, he has power as a, as a law enforcement person, but he has even more power dealing with the mob. And I, I think that's all you need to know for that character. He doesn't show up a lot. He is only there for what, for the hospital scene. Yeah. The two scenes. And, well, and three the restaurant. If, right. if you count the, the car ride to the restaurant where he was sitting at the back. Yeah. So basically three scenes. Yeah, and again, like how how much backstory do you want in a three hour movie of every, each and every character to not make them flat? Mm. I'm I'm just saying maybe we can cut off some of Cecilia and uh deal with more of some of the characters. Hey, just a, just a suggestion. I have to argue that this movie is not as good as it is. And I think that those are fair points. And I know some people are like pulling their hair out right now, trying to punch me in their face. This is just a, just a debate. <laughs> I, th I think the, the portions in Sicily are important uh, just to bring back the, the roots of the family. Uh, like I said, you have this constant struggle of, of the two families and heritage and power I think uh, Michael going to Sicily is grounding him and really showcases the foundation of his life after coming back. Like it's, it's, it's the foundation and everything that he learned just shows him like, okay, this is what the power can do that my name has, mm. you know, and then to a degree it's like, Hey, this is awesome. I can do, like, I can take whatever I want. And uh, he's taking that, and coming back to New York and essentially taking over the, for the family. But would you, I, I, I view that it's interesting. Uh, and I'll use that as an argument against the film, because what I got from that scene was that he was trying to escape and the whole of Sicily was like a fantasy. And I think we'll go into the way the camera works later on in the episode. So I'm going to hold off my point on this later, but it feels like otherworldly. The tone of the film is very different within those scenes. You're out of the dark and grubby New York scene and you're into the bright light of Sicily. I felt like this was his last chance for a normal life and I think he embraced it. And I think that there's a there's a theme of fate in this film too. Not faith as in F-A-I-T-H, but faith as in F-A-T-E, where life plays you cards and you just have to deal with it as opposed to you having control because from the very beginning of the film, you know, Michael was saying that he wasn't interested in it in joining the family. And by the end of the film, he was part of the family, which is a very good transformation. But the fact that both of us got different views of Sicily is a, it's another testament to the weakness of the film. And I, and I think that anybody who watches it will, will, will do well to avoid those scenes because it's a horrible film. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> I think Sicily is is a good example of one of the strong points of the movie being locations, like real locations. Uh, they took the time and money to go to real places, and I think that grounds the movie significantly. All the... All the places in, in New York, in L.A., in Sicily uh, have this very tangible, lived-in feeling. And I think it's, it's, a strong, uh, it, it's a strong case for uh, essentially 
building uh, essentially building a real world because it is real it's nothing is really manipulated it feels very uh, homey and lived in um, and that goes for new york that goes for la for the mansion and, and that goes for sicily it's not cleaned up and, and fake it reads very real and i think that's one of the strong points of the movie it kind of feels like a documentary almost in that regard yeah i i i think that most of my arguments against the film have have uh have been made um and i think that the strongest thing you can say against this film and i'm going to reiterate my points uh number one and, the, and i hope the audience can appreciate this uh number one the characters are very flat outside of michael michael Colioni, all the characters were flat and nobody really changed uh number two some of the casting was really off and it showed in how the movies were you know how it was portrayed like during the film where you could have someone as good as Marlon Brando taking over a scene and then you have weaker characters trying hard but overacting it just felt unnatural to me the movie meandered quite a lot and given the fact that it also feels rushed I think that uh <laughs> it's a it's a juxtaposition of weird pacing basically I wish the movie was paced better there was uh, no growth in some of the characters and I feel like if you want a well-rounded film you want to see growth in more than one person in the film that's my that's my take on it there was no particularly interesting character there was none Michael Colioni was cold throughout the film the only person who was warm were Sonny and the uh, godfather Vito those were the only warm characters but Sonny was also hot and cold and Vito was was de-emphasized and I think that maybe the movie would have benefited from us having more Vito in the film maybe cut some of the Sicily scenes and put more Vito in there but that's that's what I think for my closing statements uh, I, I argue against your closing statements <laughs> again so my point is that the having characters that are as you call them flat is kind of the point because it's not important to to tell us everything about these characters. The main character is Michael, and the the focus of this is his arc and his motivation and how every piece of the puzzle is kind of bringing him up to be the the leader of the crime family from from nothing from somebody who's outside to the leader of the family. And to think the all the supporting characters around it might be very stereo stereotypical, but that's somewhat the point because you don't know who to trust. You don't know what other people are about. And I think that's that's the point that uh, they're trying to make here. As for the casting, again, I feel like it's very real. It's not, it's not a bunch of pretty people. It's people that look very real, that behave very real. Granted, some of the acting might be a little rough around the edges, but again, that's some sort of realism. And I think the movie is very successful in that. And then for the length, I think for something that obviously is taking its time to showcase the the character progression of Michael, it's it's successful in that. Though I give you a little bit of uh, relief there that I think there are parts that could have been trimmed a little bit to to just focus a little more. And then uh, kind of cold versus warm characters again. I think that's just showing the the brutal side of the mafia family, and I think that's intended. I think there's a reason why you get you don't get warm fuzzy feelings when you see uh, somebody like Sonny or Clemenza, uh, because you're not supposed to. They're bad people, so you're not necessarily supposed to like these people. But um, it's all about power and and influence. And I think these characters exuberate that by the way they behave. Well, it's up to the uh, the fans to decide who had the better argument on this one. I think I did a I think I did an okay job <laughs> trying to argue against this film. Um, hopefully, you're on my side. All right, let's close the argument and uh, just talk about the movie a little bit. 
All right, sounds good. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. All right, so welcome back. The Godfather. What a movie. <laughs> I think that uh, as somebody who watched The Shawshank Redemption last week, it's kind of difficult to imagine why The Shawshank Redemption is rated higher than The Godfather. I think that there's so many exceptional things in The Godfather that you can't point to in Shawshank Redemption, which was written years after maybe almost 24 years afterwards um i think one of the discussions we had uh during the shawshank redemption was the fact that there was no outstanding camera shot just one bird's eye view shot that you know happened at the at the top of the building where he was being held at the very edge um and one more when he escaped uh those were the only two shots that were of note but in this movie there's like it was mainly points of view shots and you get to see actors act. And I think that that was actually quite interesting to watch because it was very stable and we get to see the actor, the expressions on their faces change. But outside of those, there were a couple of um, non point of view shots that were exceptional. Like the scene where they were killing Connie's husband in the car and they were driving. Um, and they had the rope around his neck and they were squeezing and he was trying to struggle to survive and he was kicking out the window and his leg breaks the glass and he saw his leg slow down and you know when he passed away or the scene where clemenza goes out to pee and the camera zooms out and he the guy in the back of the car gets shot those are iconic shots because everything it feels like you're watching different scenes with different paintings and it's I guess it's a painting of violence, but it's quite interesting to watch all the same. Yeah, I agree. I think this movie is a masterclass in, in character development and in framing. And I, I agree that oftentimes the way the, the shots are created is very grounded, very confident. Right? You're part of the family. You're in the room and you, you're part of this decision-making. Um, but as soon as violence happens you're usually kind of taken aback a little bit and you're just a bystander looking looking at this crazy thing that happens. That's the case for the the, the car scene that you mentioned, um, for both car scenes that you mentioned, actually. That's the case for the murder attempt on Don Corleone. Uh, that's kind of from above. It looks like just somebody's kitchen window and you look down into the street. Uh, I, I found that to be kind of striking because, again, it's this, this bird's eye view thing. Uh, where you're just a bystander, you see this violent thing happening. And I think you can make your own conclusions about the violent part of, of this family, right? You're, you're kind of lured in of being in the room and being part of the discussions, but then you're, taken a, you're literally taken aback um, by the violence. I think that's super successful in what they do. I agree. I think that when we're having the debate, you mentioned a little bit on the light and dark, and I, I wanted you to... Uh expand a little bit on that if you're ready to yeah i recall saying that in the debate but yeah uh light and dark i think so what one thing that did strike me was a lot of the stuff was very dark uh, a, a lot of the office scenes are very dark and not necessarily helped by the dark um wardrobe you know the suits and everything everything's kind of dark and mysterious and it's contrasted by Again, so so the dark side is the mafia side, I think, and then the 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 lighter parts are usually the family scenes, right? In the beginning, you have the office scene versus the wedding, and the super contrasty. You know, the yeah. one is super colorful and happy dory at daylight, and the other stuff is like almost in the dark, like it's it's in a dungeon, like there's lights coming in, <laughs> but it's and again, you could draw like metaphors of you know like the the heart, the family is kind of shining into the dark side a little bit, but you know, yeah. if you want to go super film, um, film critical here, but uh, I think that's very point pointed there. Right. And I think the, the thing that you pointed out with Sicily looking very different, I think there's a point there because again, it's, it's going back to the roots of both the, the real family and the mob family. Right. And it, it that's kind of where it all started and it's very it's it's indistinguishable to a degree um and it's still in the in the light and then once you go back to new york it's 
it's having a different quality, right? And, yeah, and I think I guess I was the one who who mentioned the light and dark, and I think I was who yeah. I was the one who mentioned it. Um, but yes, I think I was talking about the Sicilian scene and how that whole area was basked in sunlight, and uh, it felt like a fantasy uh, that Michael was living in um, outside of the dark, grim uh, places in New York where everybody is somehow sitting in the shadows. Um, one of the things that I read about the film was that uh, the characters were lit from either the top or the sides to always enshroud some of their face in darkness, kind of signifying the fact that everybody has a dark uh, darkness in them. And Michael started off the movie being enshrouded in light because he never went into the room, something you were mentioning just now. He was outside with the family. He would, he didn't want to have any part to do with the family. But the moment he found out his father was shot, that was the point where we started to see him get the dark, uh, the, the dark glow on him. And he picked up the phone and called, and they were like, Michael, where have you been? There's like a separation between Michael and his family. And as he gets deeper and deeper, and they pull him back in, I got that from The Sopranos, um, <laughs> You get uh, you get to see him get darker and darker, and when he goes to Sicily, everything was basked in you know in bright light, and this was his final chance to get out and not be part of the family. He could start a family with Apollonia and be happy, ignore the family, and you know live your Sicilian life, but somehow you know. Sonny gets killed and he has to go back home because he now has to lead the family. And the moment he steps back, he's back into the darkness. And they had to kill Apollonia just for that reason because they don't want him to have any hooks or any um, connections to the fantasy that he wants. They want him totally engrossed in the in the life of being the godfather. It's an interesting, you know, interesting in that sense. Yeah. And and what you mentioned, right? It's like they pull him back in by killing Apollonia. It's yeah, it's very interesting. It's it's very well done in that, I think. So some of the comments that I wrote down in preparation of this was I also wrote three hours of a movie. It, it's a <laughs> it's a very long movie. It is a long film, and it and it drags. And again, I I understand why. But I agree, you you could have done the whole Sicily thing probably off screen, mm. because you don't necessarily need to see all the stuff that happened in Sicily to to fully get that Michael is now taking over, right? I think the hospital stuff is kind of showcasing that enough that he's yeah. in charge and he he's able to take over and and understand the the danger. I don't think you need to go back and put him in into that space as well. I also. Th- think the Vegas stuff I would cut out the Vegas stuff I don't think that's super mm. consequential and, and super important I think to to your point because we never that whole Sicily scene was flat the way he came in he changed within that window and when he came out he was back to the same character so basically if you remove that whole scene you could still have a continuous movie yeah it was quite interesting same thing in the Vegas scene like you were saying right uh, there's some meat that you can cut. Yeah. I also wrote down animal cruelty. Just, you know. <laughs> um, it's brutal. The, the, the horse thing is, is very brutal. But that, My wife watched it with me, and she closed her eyes when she saw that. She was like, why do they have to do it? And I was like, look, we're watching a mob film. Yeah. <laughs> they have to do very weird things. Right. Uh, I also wrote down uh, glorifying crime. Which, I mean, comes with the territory. I think that's part of the allure of mob movies. You have mm. all this crime that's just kind of enticing, but also gross. But also, like, you have this whole bravado of the mob. Right? And it's, it's, it's this push and pull of, well, this is fascinating, but it's also gory and kind of weird. Did you at any point feel like you wanted to be part of it? No. No. <laughs> No, I'm pretty sure it appeals to some people, but I don't think it's one of those things that appeals to me either. Yeah, it's quite interesting to watch. Like I said, it's genre building, right? and I think that's fascinating. There's so many callbacks now. Looking at it again, there's so many references in Sopranos. It's crazy. 
the yeah. the murder in the restaurant. That's like the last episode of The Sopranos. That's how The Soprano ends. That's a direct callback to that, I think. It's, it's fascinating. Um, all the iconic lines that are in this that are repeated over and over again and just kind of going back to you know the the glorifying of the mob mentality right that's that's just part of the the culture now mm. and I, I think that's very fascinating to see how a movie can form that image this probably was the quintessential mob film and it set the standard for many mob films that came afterwards and i'm not entirely i think there were some very good ones once upon a time in america was a really good mob film too there were a few others uh casino was all right too but i don't think there's any of them that like if you put godfather right beside it they would be able to uh, you would say they surpass it even scarface which a lot of people hold in high demand or high regard is a really good film fair enough i i think that one of the things that made the movie really good was the character and how interesting he was to watch it was both he, he, you despise him and you like him at the same time uh but that's a different discussion yeah. anyway we might I'm, i think that it's going to be interesting to see when we have to review the godfather 2 in the next episode yeah. <laughs> um so, so, <laughs> what do you think about the godfather versus right. that yeah very true very true i was surprised like Marlon Brando was very hard to understand like this mm. this character mumbled the crap out of this movie it's, it was crazy and, <laughs> and he doesn't really talk much mm. uh, to, to a point he's not even in this much i i was really surprised uh, just kind of looking at it again that this iconic character that uh, has iconic lines it's kind of the poster child, literally. Like that, that person is on the poster Absolutely. is not in this movie a lot. He's That's in the beginning, uh, pretty much shortly thereafter, there's the, the attempt on his life. He's not in the hospital scenes, really. Like, mm -hmm. you don't see him much. He doesn't do much, yeah. He doesn't do much. And then after that, he's in, in three or four scenes, and that's it. Growing up, I used to think that the movie, when they talked about The Godfather, was referring to Vito Corleone. But now that I'm older, when you watch it, you realize that The Godfather that they were referring to was always Michael yep. Corleone. Um, the movie starts with Vito in that position, and there's no indication that Michael will end up there. But the end scene is quite interesting to see, because that was when, you know, Clemenza kneels down and says... Uh, godfather you know when they were arguing with Vito at the table about um the how they were going to be um pressured by new york you notice that uh, Vito was always trying to tell them hey talk to michael talk to michael but they were like no we talk to you and i'm not going to go into why they talk to them that's going to be next uh, next episode but it was quite interesting to see him transform after tessio was killed and realize like yo this is the new hierarchy i think that another interesting thing about the film was the fact that the characteristics of Vito were divided into his three sons and they all had different qualities all those qualities were qualities that Vito himself had but each of them had a part of it and that was their strengths and their weakness so one of the problems with Michael is Michael is very cold and calculating. We know that Vito can be very cold and calculating. We also know that Vito can have a temper. And we also know that Vito loves his family. And all those three, Freddy uh, loves his family, but he doesn't have a spine. Sonny was very, what do you call it? Very temperate. Uh, he had a lot of a high temper, but he also loved his family. And then you have Michael, who was very cold. I'm not even sure he is loyal to his family, but I don't know if he loves them. I don't think there's any outward sense of affection for Michael. And I think that anybody who dislikes the film will have that at the core of why they dislike it. If you don't like Michael and you don't understand Michael's perspective, you're going to find it very hard to like the film. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons why... Vito was really good because he had a softness to his edges and Michael never had one. Right. Something I didn't notice before, but uh, there's this one music theme they do over and over and over and over again, which I now call the Don theme. Uh, that happens mm -hmm. a lot with Don Corleone. 
And then the first time you hear the, the classic Godfather theme is in um, Sicily, which I found interesting because I always thought like this iconic music, this iconic piece of music um, is all over this place, but it's not. It's It starts in Sicily and I felt like this is kind of a representation of the heart, the, the, the family side, right? And um, mm. kind of the, the Michael Corleone uh, theme is what I kind of refer to in my notes. And then when he goes back, and everybody is killed, and uh, Michael takes over the family. It transitions back to the dawn theme, and I was like, "Brilliant!" Because that's like literally now um, anchoring him in the crime family, right? Oh, Be man. Because they they're using the same theme. I was like, "That's so so well done." That's so that is that is brilliant. I, you know, I never noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I listened to that theme. Uh, I you know once the theme gets into your head, you're just humming it and over and over. That it's a it's a brilliant way to use that theme. I never actually noticed, and I watched the film again, and I still didn't notice that. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Thanks for the observation. There's so much stuff that's so subliminal, but meaningful, right? Like when when Michael takes over and has everybody else killed, he's in he's in church at the baptism. And it's 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 functioning in two ways because it's also baptizing him to be the dawn, <laughs> right? He's he's, and yeah, it's it's so well done. Like, uh, and did you remember when the guy the guy says, uh, "Do you renounce the devil?" Uh, just as they start to kill everybody, uh, basically signifying the fact that you know he's now the devil in that sense. Yeah, it's not a movie I could watch over and over again because it is so long, but. Every time you watch it, I think you can take something new out of it, because it is so totally. it is so layered. Mm. I I think that the three hours watching the film didn't feel that long to me. I I had a good time watching the film. Yeah, not watching the violence, but watching the film and watching how Michael transformed uh, from his innocent side into the more dark side that he was trying to avoid all along, but it was always inside him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it's up for the, it's up to the crowd to decide. Yeah. Is the Godfather a movie that des deserves to be in the top 10 or the top 250 or not? That's right. Exactly. Now, your honor, it is upon you to decide who presented the better argument. Please cast your vote on our Movie Mistral Twitter or Instagram. Where can people find us? You can find us on uh, Twitter on Movie Mistral or Instagram on Movie Mistral. Or you can follow us on Facebook on at Movie Mistral. That's right. And then we also have MovieMistral at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, always happy to chat. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time for Godfather 2.